0: Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated, the podcast that is committed to empowering you in your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Join us now for the next episode. We hope you create an incredible experience. Let's get the show started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sobriety Elevated. How is my incredible co-host Kevin doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic today.
0: First thing I'd like to do is, if you've been listening to these podcasts or if you've listened to a number of our podcasts, I want to offer a huge thank you. We appreciate your support. We appreciate everything you're doing. If you're sharing this with friends, thank you very much. Kevin, what do you think of today we talk about the treatment model that I use when I go in to give workshops and recovery centers.
1: I think that's a great idea. It definitely had a, a big role in my life. I think we should share it.
0: This is a little different treatment model than you see in a lot of the centers, because I really believe that unless you do the spiritual work to heal yourself, coupled with a commitment to sobriety and a strong recovery program, that is what is going to have your treatment become incredibly effective in your life. And we're gonna start with the first one. And, and And if you think about this model, I'm actually going <coughs> three circles that kind of intertwine with a little area in the center. And the first circle, I'm going to call sobriety. Sobriety is the easiest of the three areas. Because let's face it, you're either sober or you're not. When I look at sobriety, I normally talk about three different things. I talked about mind-altering substances, mind-altering activities, and drugs of choice. And Kevin, can you give me an example of a mind-altering substance?
1: Obviously, drugs. Yep. All kinds of different drugs. We don't need to name them all. I think that when it comes to like, for me, I can talk about me. I had drugs, alcohol, uh, and gambling, all things that were uh, that I had to get sober from.
0: Yeah, so you actually had mind-altering substances and mind-altering activities in your addiction. For me, mind-altering substances, obviously they can be drugs. They can be alcohol. They can be coffee. Kevin, do you know what one of the most impactful mind-altering substances is that is legal? Um, caffeine. Um, that would be a close second. I was thinking of sugar.
1: Sugar, yeah. That, that, well, that's one that I, I really don't want to go there because then I may have to deal with that too.
0: So just so you know, about a week ago, I had my last soda. I am on a sugar detox and it is my commitment that within 30 days, I minimize the sugar that goes into my system because some medical reports saying that's like legal crack because your body so craves it. So the next area is mind altering activities. And you said one of them, gambling, gambling, sex. Meditation is a mind-altering activity. Coaching is a mind-altering activity. The spiritual work that I do is a mind-altering activity. So there's a lot of different mind-altering activities. And the third thing is drug of choice. And Kevin, how would you define drug of choice?
1: Whatever you use to um, take you out of a sober state. So like alcohol, cocaine, all kinds of, I mean, you could name, the list goes on and on.
0: The drug of choice is something that literally you crave to the point that it impacts your life. And if you think about your addiction, the impact of life in your treatment program to become sober, you have to commit to giving up that drug of choice. What I would
1: call it is an obsession. Right. So your drug of choice will actually cause an obsession that really you can't stop thinking about it. Can remember waking up in the morning, thing I thought about was that drug of choice or those multiple <laughs> drugs of choice in my case, it's, it's something that you really can't control. Your mind just goes and goes and goes and it's what you're constantly thinking
0: about it. And you constantly want more and more and more of that drug of choice. Sometimes I use the example of coffee, right? Is coffee a drug of choice?
1: I think coffee can be a drug of choice. I mean, the good news is a lot of times coffee's not going to ruin your life like a lot of the other drugs of choice out there.
0: That's the exact way that I think about it. Because, And the other thing is, is I can give coffee up. In this new diet that I'm doing, I am down to one cup of coffee a day. And last week, I only drank coffee four days out of the seven. Three days I didn't. So I am literally weaning myself off of it. That's why, for me, it's not really a drug of choice because I can do without it.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. And I will say, though, I'm not... At this point in my life, I'm not trying to lower my coffee intake or anything like that. But I definitely don't have the same obsession that I used to have with my uh, previous drugs of choice. Like you said, I mean, if I don't have coffee, I'm not going to sit there and um, obsess and figure out a plan on how I can get my next cup of coffee. And I don't plan my whole day around coffees. It's definitely a little bit different.
0: That is so beautiful. So that's sobriety. And like I said earlier, the beautiful thing about sobriety is you're either sober or you're not. That is the easiest one of these three. So we're going to move out to the next circle that I label as recovery. And Kevin, how would you define recovery?
1: You know, I, I get asked this a lot, and I boil it down to one simple definition for me, and that's peace. I, it's a lot deeper, obviously, than that word, but it's it's being in, a, in an active state of peace where I'm not being controlled by anything else in my life but myself and my own thoughts my own my own mind I'm I'm kind of making my own decisions
0: that is so beautiful i define recovery as the process of sobriety in your life that i'm going to say that's going to lead you to an increased level of peace that you are experiencing on an ongoing basis as recovery is a process how long do you think the recovery process lasts For me, it's a
1: lifelong process for sure.
0: And for me, it's a lifelong process also. It is a daily commitment to living a life so that I can be sober. And this is for Jim, but Jim wants to impact people positively. If you're listening to this, my commitment is that you have a strong recovery such that you be the example that other people who see you want what you want and they do the work needed to keep that recovery strong.
1: I have the same, same commitment. I think that um, for me, one of my biggest parts of my recovery is helping other people. And like you said, it's, a, it's an everyday commitment and so every single day I like to try and help somebody else and, and help somebody else find recovery, help somebody else find sobriety, help other people better their lives. And that's a huge, huge part of me staying in the continual state of recovery, is by giving back and helping other people.
0: Doesn't it literally warm your heart when you make a difference in another person's life?
1: It absolutely does. And actually, I have an example of that. This morning, I went to a a 12-step meeting. When I had walked in, I talked to a guy for a little bit and I didn't think anything of it. That I'm actually out of town, away from my home, so this is not a group that I normally attend. And I just told him a little bit of my story. And then after the meeting, you know, an hour plus later, the guy pulled me aside afterwards and said, I just want you to know you said exactly what I needed to hear at exactly the right time. And it felt really, really good. And that was, you know, recovery and sobriety actively working in my life. And it's, it's so rewarding to know, even though we don't realize it, which I know you say that a lot, Jim, we have no idea how far reaching our story or our life can be. But I didn't realize if he hadn't said anything to me, I would have never even thought twice about what I had said. And he came to me and told me how how important and how much it helped him. It made me realize that I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right things. It was extremely rewarding. And it did. It definitely warmed my heart. It, uh, It also renewed some excitement in me and made me remember, you know, why we do this podcast. Also, why I do different meetings and all these different things that I do. It's to help other people. Because ultimately, that's where my strength and my power comes from, is helping others.
0: It is a commitment for other people's well-being. And I will say, when I was thinking about this podcast, you were the first one that came into mind. Because you are living your recovery in such a beautiful way. That's part of the reason that it is such a joy to have you as a co-host. And if you're listening to Kevin notice how his words resonate. The stories he tells, it strengthens those who choose to be strong in their recovery. So the next circle I want to move on to is, and this is the one that I think is the most difficult, because I label it as healing. One of the things that I know about addiction is addiction is the result of how we think and deal with the experiences that have happened in the past such that you develop coping strategies with your drug of choice that negatively impact your life. And for me, healing is learning how to return to a space of healthy self-love, self-like. And sometimes it starts with just liking yourself again. Because so often in our addiction, we loathe ourselves. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking about getting clean, the question that I have is, do you love yourself? And I'm not saying that from a judgmental space. I'm saying that from the space of having you evaluate the level of love you have for yourself. Because if you're going out and you're using your drug of choice to numb, that is smothering the self-love inside of yourself. And one of the most beautiful things, Kevin, is that the first time we met, I hope I can share this, but I would say there was a level of loathing that you had for yourself.
1: I would completely agree with you, Jim. I think I don't think I know that. Whenever I when I came in there, uh, I hated myself wasn't using my drug of choice. I hadn't had any type of recovery or healing that had occurred. I I did not like myself at all. I would say I pretty much hated myself. I hated the things I'd done, I, and I was using my drug and drugs of choice to, you know, cover up all of my issues, my hurts, my pains, um, and just really everything. I didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't, was caused me more pain and more problems, and it caused me to not like myself more and more and more and then I would have to drink to be able to even live with myself and then I would it would get worse and worse and worse it was a snowball effect and I think that the reason why this part of the recovery process is so hard the healing part is because of that because we sometimes to heal I think of like a wound you know sometimes you have to maybe cut the wound out a little bit more to let it properly heal yes and I think for me the biggest part of the healing has come during my recovery is I have uncovered a lot of these these wounds that I just kind of covered up. You know, I never actually let them heal and never got to the bottom of them. But as I've done that, the healing process, and I now can look in the mirror, and I do, I like myself. I love and you said it at the very analogy, beginning, Jim, a
0: um, hell. I love the wound analogy because I literally think looking at your life, every day you were picking at that wound and it was just festering and creating more pain.
1: I think that what was happening as I would continue to use my drug of choice, it was like letting, it was like putting dirt in the wound. It wasn't... yes cleaning the food all is putting dirt in it, which just causes more infection, more problem, all of these just bad things. It's healthy level of self-love. You know, I had this big persona whenever I was active in addiction that I was the greatest guy in the world. I love myself. I'm awesome. Anybody who's against me is terrible, and all of that. And it was all fake and not real. Where now I have a self-love that's healthy. Where I do I love myself. I, I really like who I am and what I do. And but it's not to the point where my it's ego-driven. And all of a sudden I'm like think that I'm the greatest guy in the world. I have a, a healthy level of humility yet confidence. It's a balance that I think is is really really difficult to find sometimes but once you find it it's really empowering and really really helpful you
0: carry that balance so beautifully the wound example healing your mental wounds is just like healing your physical wounds it happens from the inside out there is nothing outside that can heal that wound and as as you experienced in that once that first session that we met Literally, you in in that session did some incredibly deep inner healing that allowed you to heal and grow from the inside. That session was probably one of the most beautiful sessions I have ever done with all the people I work with. Well, and
1: that the thing, you know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, like call it a spiritual experience, whatever you want to call it, you know, what happened, what was the change? Really the word that I can, the only word that I can think of that comes close to it is just like acceptance where I just had acceptance in my past, in my present, even in my future, right in that moment where it's like, I'm gonna be okay, it's, it's okay. And things that have happened to me, things that I have done, it wasn't like this miraculous, everything's wiped away and it's done. It was, we're gonna get through this. It's gonna be a process. And you encouraged me in that respect where it was like, all right, we're, it's okay. Now, yeah. where do we go from here? Exactly. And it was like a fresh start
0: yours was radical self-acceptance though because i have never seen anybody and i'm going to use the air quotes and say get it to the point i'm also not going to lie i really feel that there was a spiritual presence in that room that knew that it was time and knew and you and it just occurred powerfully
1: yeah for me if that hadn't happened if i didn't get sober at that time which like your this whole podcast is saying, it was like a three-pronged thing. The healing had to happen pretty quickly for me or I would have ended up using again. For me, to use was to die. Like, I didn't have much time left. Um, whether I was going to kill myself using drugs or I was going to kill myself by committing suicide, I mean, I couldn't live the way that I was living any longer. And that's why what we're doing is so important because it's life and death for so many people. It is life and, and death.
0: And let me yeah, tell you, it, Life on the sobriety side is beautiful. When you can heal yourself and live in a space of created love in this amazing world, your whole perspective just shifts. You get the love of family back. You get the love of self back first and foremost. Then you get the love of community back. And Kevin, one of the things that you are such a strong example of is love in community. And I will say that most traditional recovery centers do not do enough in the area of healing. Because here's the thing. Anybody can stop drinking and they're going to put you somewhere where your drug of choice is not there. And anybody can stop their drug of choice for a month or two or three. But unless you do the healing... As you set up a strong process to keep that sobriety alive and enliven, you are going to literally relapse.
1: Yeah, and that's why I'm a, a big proponent for 12-step and other spiritual programs and things because the healing happens at a different level and it's not like people kind of maybe get overwhelmed and turned off by that and and i understand that because i certainly would have at first too but it's it's like the slow little by little process where all of a sudden the spirituality comes in and the healing happens and dealing with the past and and understanding who you are and what you've done and all of those things and then watching slowly as the healing comes out to where all of a sudden you know i look back At two and a half, almost years ago, where I'm at now, I mean, the progress is incredible. It really is. slowly, each day, if I just looked back at it, I wouldn't have
0: noticed it. I would have thought I still had so long to go. Yeah. So beautiful. So you've been listening to Sobriety Elevated. We've been talking about a different model. If you like this episode, share it with your friends, like us. And if you really like it, give us a comment. It'll help grow this. We want to thank you for the time you spent listening to this, and we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Okay, thank you.